0: I want to ask a question, have you ever been in one of those situations where you find yourself doing something and really the only reason you're doing it is because everyone else around you is doing it? You're not really sure, maybe it was a joke someone told and, and everyone's laughing and you're not really sure that you got it, but you're like, <laughs> yeah, because you don't want to be the only one to acknowledge that you didn't get the joke. Um, it's kind of a weird spot to be in, isn't it? I've got a friend, um, he's a British guy, and he's a pastor, and he gets to travel quite a lot and speak in different places, and uh, one of my favorite stories about him is uh, um, one time he was flying from America. He'd fl- flown to America and spent some time, he was flying home again on, a, on an American airline, and uh, he got this, this great privilege that if you've ever traveled, you love to hear this word. That word was upgrade. They said, sir, we're going to upgrade you to first class. So he's flying all the way back to London, first class. Now, he'd never flown first class before, so although he was super excited, he was a little bit intimidated. And he got in, and he got seated in one of these massive chairs, and, and he had that wonderful feeling as, as people were walking by, and he's sitting there going, oh, yeah, I'm in first class, yeah. And he's just sitting there enjoying it as people were making their way into to the, the tight end of the plane. And uh, finally, everyone was seated, and the, uh, the flight attendant came around, and she said to him, sir, would you like a drink? man, I've never been offered a drink before we take off. This is, first class is great. he says, yeah, I'll have a bitter lemon. Now, bitter lemon is a drink that you can get in England, okay? It's made by a company called Schweppes. I think we might even have a picture of it if we can uh, pop that up there. There it is. There's the bottle of bitter lemon. So he said, I'll have a bitter lemon. And off she goes. No drink. She comes back a couple of minutes later. Sir, can I get you a drink? He says, oh, she must have forgotten. Yes, can I have a bitter lemon? Now, she hadn't actually forgotten his accent and uh, their lack of knowledge of this particular English drink was what the problem was. Because a few minutes later, she shows up with no drink but a saucer, uh, like a little plate, full of bits of lemon. (laughs) Now, my friend never connected that she'd misunderstood. First time in first class, a little bit nervous, still thinks the drink's coming and thinks this is part of the pre-flight ritual. So he's been given this saucer full of lemons and he thinks... Okay, so he takes one and he passes the plate to the guy next to him. <laughs> so I'm not sure if the guy next to him hadn't flown first class very often or not much either because he then takes one <laughs> and, passes it. and my friend said he watched as the plate made its way around the first class cabin with everyone helping themselves to, to a bit of lemon and then passing it on to their friends. And I have to wonder if everyone in that first class cabin was thinking, I'm not sure why I'm taking this or what I'm going to do with it, but he took it, so I'm going to take it as well. And, and the reason I share that story is because we're in a series right now called That Thing We Do, because sometimes we find ourselves in situations where we're doing something not really fully understanding why we're doing it, but the guy next to me did it, so I guess I'll do it too. And we've been talking over these last few weeks about something we call here in the church worship. Now, worship takes on many forms in the, uh, the eyes of a follower of Jesus, but one of the big ways is, is this time we had at the beginning of singing this morning. You heard us, we were singing, and, and many people were singing here this morning. And maybe you're here as a visitor, and maybe you're new to church, and you're kind of looking around and, and you were mouthing the words because you're thinking, there's no way I'm singing out loud, but I don't want to be looked like I'm not singing, so I'll... I don't know this song either, so I'm going to kind of move my lips to the. And, and you just figured, well, I'm not sure why we're singing. But I think it's that thing they do. I think in church, and maybe you've been coming to Connect for a long time, and you're still not fully sure you understand why it is that we sing the songs that we sing, and why it is that we take that moment every week to sing these songs. It's just that thing we do. So over the last couple of weeks, and today, and then over the next couple of weeks, we're looking at this series, we've titled it That Thing We Do, because we want to unpack that a little bit more. We want to explain to you what worship really is. Why do we sing at church? If you were here last week, my good friend Dave Mudd did such a great job. And he talked about worship. And and I love this phrase he used last week. And I want to recap it again because he said, when it comes to worship, it's two things. It's lip service and it's life service. Lip service and life service. And what he meant by that is, is at times it's lip service. It's singing. It's what you saw take place this morning. You know, this wasn't just a concert. There were some people who were singing along to those songs. And, and to them, it was, those words really meant something to them. This lip service was, God, you're awesome. I will worship you for all my life. I will worship you singing these songs because they, they mean something to many of us here. But it's more than just lip service. It's life service as well. A couple of weeks ago, I kicked off the series, and if you were here, I had a stepladder up on the stage. And on that stepladder were many things that, that we find in our lives. There was, there was a step for, for family and for um, work and for uh, shopping and social activities. And I said that, you know, we, we can tend to put different things at different heights in our life, at different stages of our lives. Things become more important or less important. But I said that for many of us here at Connect, and for for the 18 people here this morning, we've decided that the very top step of that ladder, that position will be held by God. He is the most important thing in our lives. And because of that, it's not wrong to have these other things, but we want to make sure that at the very top of the ladder, at the very top, is God. And that's life service. That's saying, you know, I worship you not just with my lips on a Sunday morning, but with all of my life. I want you to be number one in my life. But if I were to sum up worship in its simplest form, it would really just be saying thank you. Saying thank you. You know, two weeks ago we had a wonderful event. It was probably one of the, the, my favorite events so far this year here at Connect. We had a volunteer banquet. And in that banquet, we asked everyone who volunteers here on a regular basis to come along on a Friday night. We we put on a really nice meal for them, and we had a fun night, and we shared some stories, and we watched some videos. And it amazed me because at this particular volunteer banquet, um, when the invites went out, I counted up, and we'd sent 179 emails. That means 179 people on a regular basis volunteer and serve here at Connect Church to help create the experience that you're having this morning. And that amazed me. And I was so grateful to think that 179 people are giving every week. That some show up early, 7 o'clock on a Sunday morning, to set all of this up. Some will stay late today after the service to pack it all down and, and cram it into a trailer that we own. Some come early to practice the songs that we sang. Others come and they stand in the foyer or in the parking lot all year round, just so that when you arrive for the first time, you're greeted by someone with a smile and a handshake who's happy to see you here. You know, some come every week, week in, week out, and they, they help with the babies and the children, and they spend this morning while you're in here, they're out there telling our, our wonderful kids just how great they are, how much God loves them, and that he has a wonderful plan for each and every one of their lives. And at that, that, that volunteer banquet, it was our way of saying thank you. And I know it's not worship, but some people give so much. It almost is. I'm like, man, you're awesome. But that's what worship is. It's saying thank you. We're now volunteer banquet. we were thanking people for what they did. And for us, many of us who are followers of Jesus this morning, worship for us is saying thank you to God for all that you've done. This morning you saw a great example of worship. You saw 18 people say, hey, listen, I want you all to know this morning. We could have done this on a Wednesday somewhere with no one else looking, but I want to do it on a Sunday morning because I want everyone to know. Their t-shirts had the phrase, go in public. It's, I want people to know that I'm going public. I want everyone to know the difference Jesus has made in my life. I'm so grateful. This to me is an act of worship because I'm thanking God for what he's done in my life. And maybe you're here this morning and you're visiting, maybe you're new to church. Let me, let me just read one verse here to, to sum up what it was that they were so grateful for this morning. Because this doesn't just apply to them this morning, this applies to every one of you here this morning. It was written in a book called Romans chapter 5. And you can read this in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. And the writer here is talking about Jesus. He says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us. That's all of us. The people that were baptized, the people that are sitting out here, the visitors, the family, the friends, God's demonstrated his own love for you in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I loved that video. One of the ladies in the video was talking about how she'd struggled for a long time. She believed in God, but she, she didn't feel like she was good enough. She was trying to be a better mom and to be a better person. And, and she's realized just recently, the reason she wanted to get baptized is, is that it's not about her being good enough. Because this verse, it says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I think sometimes we think we have to climb that big gap and and be good enough and make amends. But God sent Jesus to us because he knows we'll never be good enough. And that message is true to every one of you this morning. Because the truth is, we're all sinners. We've all messed up. We've all done something wrong. And we may be better than some, but, but we've all fallen short of God's standard. And that's perfection. But God loved us so much that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us and that is why we worship him but as we continue on in this series i want to just throw out another thought this morning just another idea on on worship this idea of showing god how much we love him showing how we thank him by singing and with our lips and with our lives telling him how much we love him because let's be honest here this morning it's kind of easy isn't it to thank someone when they've been good to us or they've done something nice I mean, think about it. If you're a husband or a wife out there this morning, I've, I've seen you on Facebook. I see those posts, and it, it's, it's very hard for us, you know. When it's your anniversary, and you're like, it's my anniversary, and look what my husband did for me, and you're like, oh, man, and the bar's just getting higher and higher because you know all the wives are looking at it too, saying, hey, did you see that post today? Oh, yeah, check it out. Because I see these posts, and it's like, my husband loves me so much, and look what he got me, and there's this picture of flowers, or maybe it's a puppy, or maybe it's a diamond earrings, or, or maybe it's tickets to see Blake Shelton. I'm not sure why that would be a, a, an act of affirmation, but I've seen it. I think some people think that's, that's good, but probably not in my house. <laughs> or a puppy. Um. <laughs> or the other two, very often. No. <laughs> but... But let's be honest, isn't it easy to be grateful and to show love and to show affection when, to your spouse when they're buying your gifts and when they, when they never forget your anniversary? Because I know none of you have ever forgotten your anniversary, have you, husbands out there? Do you know what? I'm actually quite proud to say that 17 years we've been married, I've never once forgot our anniversary. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> we were married on February the 14th, so every year... <laughs> Around about the middle of January, Target and Hallmark and Walmart, they all give me these little reminders that the anniversary has come in, so I'm, I'm in great shape, and you guys are thinking, good on you, Dave, that's, that's a good idea, you, you, you won't forget. But actually, not such a great idea, because um, it turns out that if you wait till like just three days before your wedding to look for the hotel room for your, for your wedding night, and it's Valentine's night, do you know what? It's actually hard to find hotel rooms on Valentine's night. Two jobs. Show up at the church on Saturday, book the hotel room. And uh, I made it to the church. So, um, <laughs> but the truth is, it's easy to, to love your spouse and to, to be thankful and grateful when they're doing great things. But what about those times when they forget the anniversary? What about the times when they, they do something wrong, they drop a ball and, and something happens and, and, and maybe relationally it's like, you know what, that's a bit of a test on my love for you. But isn't that the measure of true love in a relationship? When, when he buys you flowers and you love him, but when he, he forgets to call you and tell you he's going to be late, or when he forgets to, and you still love him anyway. When he drops the ball, when he makes a mistake, and you still choose to love him, that is the sign of true love. To love someone in the good times and to love them in the bad times, to love them despite their flaws and their mistakes, that is true love. Now, I think when it comes to worship, we can apply that principle in the way that we worship God. Because let's be honest here this morning. I think all of us will say it's easy to sing the songs and tell God how great he is when all is going well in our lives. But what about when those tough times come? Come. What about when we we hit a hurdle that we weren't expecting? What about when something goes wrong in our lives and and we as followers of Jesus are looking to God and questioning Him? How does our worship change in those moments? That's the kind of worship I want to talk about this morning because there's a great example of this by by two individuals whose names are Paul and Silas. We can read all about their their exploits throughout the book of Acts, but there's one particular um, time I want to land on here in Acts chapter 16. And verse 22, it's it's talking about Paul and Silas, something that happens to them. It says that a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so he put them into the inner dungeon, and he clamped their feet in the stocks. Now, let me get it straight here, okay? These were two individuals who were doing what God had asked them to do. They were out proclaiming his words. They were following the plan that he had for their lives. And what happened? They land up beaten and locked up in prison. I have to be honest with you this morning, if that were me, I think I'd be a little bit upset. I'd be complaining. I'd be praying, but my prayers would probably sound a little bit different. I'd be saying something like, God, come on. Where were you? I, I thought we were friends. I was doing this for you. I was out there preaching the word. I was telling people about you. How did I end up here? How is this part of your plan? Where were you? But listen to the way that Paul and Silas responded in the context of this series that we're talking about worship. In verse 25, it says that around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. In the deepest, darkest dungeons, still bruised and battered from their beating, locked up in chains, they were worshipping God. These were two individuals who worshipped God in public and in the great times, and here we find them in a really dark place. And what are they doing? They're still worshipping God. That challenges me. Because I'd love to tell you that life is always great, but let's be honest here this morning, it's not, is it? And sometimes it can be difficult to to find it within yourself to worship God. Justin, who, who sings here on a regular basis and leads us in worship, it was great to see him this morning getting to baptize three of his kids. Fantastic. He has this phrase that he shares a lot, and I'm sure you've heard him say it. But he says, you know, there are two times when you worship. It's when you feel like it and when you don't. There are two times when you worship God, when you feel like it and when you don't. Because the reality is for some of us here this morning who have followed Jesus, I don't think we'd be telling the truth if we said that every time we come in here, we feel like worshiping God. I think sometimes life happens and we bring that in with us and there's, there's whatever took place last week or whatever's going on in your head right now as you're thinking ahead to the hurdles and the obstacles that are coming up this week. And you know deep down you should be worshipping God, but there's just something in you that just doesn't want to worship. I want us to be challenged as we continue on in this series looking at worship to, to learn, to be challenged by Paul and Silas, who in the middle of a dungeon worshipped God. And the other prisoners listened. You know, I've talked about this young lady a couple of times and um, Knowing that we were speaking about worship this morning, I wanted to, to share her story again. We got to meet, uh, just a little over a year ago, a, a young lady in her mid-twenties by the name of Heather. And Heather was brilliant. She'd actually uh, moved here from uh, North Dakota, and uh, she'd just started to, to follow Jesus. She'd just become a, a follower of Jesus, and, and where she found Christ was in a church out in North Dakota called Connect Church. And she moved back here and she was looking for a church to attend and she kind of went on the web and she's like, hey, Connect Church, I'll check that out. And she came and she loved it here. And we loved getting to know Heather and and we got to know her really quickly because she filled out one of our orange cards one week and it was a a prayer request and on the back she'd written, right now I I have cancer and I have to go in for chemotherapy every week and I have to sit in a hospital room having chemotherapy. Would you pray for me because it's really kind of lonely there. So we wrote back and said, we're going to pray for you, but we're going to share that story with a few people here at Connect, if you don't mind, because I know there are some people who would love to come and visit you. And she said, I'd love that. So some people from Connect went and sat with her and and got to pray with her and got to know her, and she was just such a great girl. I would often tell her family and friends that I always felt like as a pastor, it was my responsibility to go and and kind of cheer her up and make her feel better. And every time I'd spent some time with her and left the hospital, I always felt better. She had this amazing attitude and this spirit, and it was just incredible. And she had questions about God, and she was hungry to know more. And, and she would always have a Bible story that she'd read saying, can you explain this? Because uh, me and my mom, we just read this, and we're not really sure. And, and we'd get to explain it and talk about it and learn more about Jesus and pray together. And I tell you, she would come in sometimes, you know, she'd she lost her hair because of the chemotherapy. She'd have a headscarf or a, a hat on. And I'd be sat down the front here during our time of worship at the beginning. And and for whatever reason, I'd have to kind of step to the back. And and she'd sit somewhere kind of round about here. And I'd walk by her. And we'd be singing these songs. As I walked by Heather, she'd be standing there with her arms in the air, just worshiping God. And every time I saw her, it got me right here. Because I thought, if there is anyone in the room this morning who's got a legitimate reason to be angry, to not worship, to to be frustrated. It's this girl here, and yet she had her eyes closed and her arms raised. She just loved to worship God. You know, we, uh, we saw, unfortunately, that sickness get worse and worse in her life. And just a couple of weeks ago, maybe two, three weeks ago, Heather passed away. She lost her fight to cancer, and in that last week of her life, she was in a hospice, and uh, several of us here at Connect went and visited, and I remember one day Casey and I went together to visit, and it was, she was there in her bed, and her mom and her sister and her niece were there as well in the room. And we'd made a playlist of some of her favorite songs that we sing here at Connect. And we chatted for a while, and we visited, and we prayed for her. And then we said, Would you like us to play some of the worship songs? She goes, I'd love that. And we turned it on, and I think it was Oceans was playing. And as she was laying there, she just closed her eyes, and she just started to sing and worship. And her mom and her sister and her niece, they were crying. And she opened her eyes, she goes, why are you crying? Stop crying. (laughs) But it's just this beautiful moment seeing her there, worshiping God. And I thought about her this week, and her Facebook page is still active, and sometimes I'll go and I'll read posts that she wrote herself. And a recent one, after her death, a friend of hers wrote, And posted this on her page. This friend said, I spoke to Heather in December. And I asked her, if you knew you had many more years, what would be your dream life? Her response, work with people who are terminally ill to give them hope. Help them have purpose no matter how many days they have. And I said, Heather, you are already doing that. And she was in her short life. She had such purpose. She made such a difference. In her worship to God, like Paul and Silas, even in those darkest times, she was like a mirror reflecting his love and grace back to everyone who came in contact with her. I remember being at the funeral, and in fact, we didn't even call it a funeral, it was a celebration of life, because she didn't want anyone wearing black, she wanted everyone coming in colorful outfits and to celebrate her life. And afterwards, we were having a meal, and we were sat with two or three nurses. And and I asked, you know, are you from the cancer center? They said, yeah. I said, this must be tough for you, all these different funerals or celebrations that you've had to go to. They said, this is the first one. This is the first patient whose funeral we've been to because she had such an impact on her. We just loved Heather. Her impact still lives on today. I told Heather I would be telling her story for years to come, that her life would continue to impact lives even after she was gone. And I believe even this morning we are being challenged. Maybe we came in and, and we didn't feel like singing and we hear the story of Heather who worshipped God and we are challenged ourselves in our worship because she loved to worship Jesus and thank him for what he'd done in her life. Her worship was because he was the most important thing in her life. If she could show you her ladder, he would be right at the very top. You know, the people that you saw get baptized this morning, they love Jesus too. You saw it in the video. They worship him. They thank him because of what he's done in their lives. And I want you to know this morning that wherever you find yourself, he wants you to know that he loves you too, that he's looking for your worship because it completes that relationship. Worship is your way of saying, God, thank you for what you did for me. Because God demonstrated his own love for every one of us this morning in this. While we were still sinners, before we got things right, before we could fix everything, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for you this morning. This is the miracle of his love for you. This is the miracle that Heather understood and just was so grateful to God for. This is the miracle that these young men and young women and adults this morning understood and were so grateful for. And it's a miracle that's available to every one of you this morning. Because the truth is that even though you may not yet have accepted him, Even though you may be here this morning still a little uncertain, he still sent Jesus to die for you. He loves you so much. So as we close out this service this morning, I know you've come to, maybe if you're a visitor here, to visit family, friends, celebrate this this experience with them. But can I send you off with a little bit of a challenge? Maybe you weren't expecting that. Maybe you were expecting to just come and sit through a service and already everything has been completely different to what you imagined. But can I send you off with a little bit of a challenge this morning? How will you respond to that love this morning? Will you accept him as the Lord of your life, just as these folks have and many others here today? Will you begin a life of worship? You know, we discovered the first week that we all worship something. It's not just something that happens in church. You know, it could be money, job, career. Well, I guess that's the same as a job. Um, sports, Um We all worship something. God created us to worship. But will you begin a life of worship to him? Thanking him, showing gratitude to him for how much he loves you and how much he cares for you. We're going to close out by praying right now. So if you wouldn't mind, would you close your eyes? Just before I pray, I want you just where you're sitting. Just to think about what you've heard this morning. Maybe you're here because a friend got baptized, a relative, a a neighbor. And it's caused you to ask some questions. Maybe you've seen something different in their lives. Maybe you've seen what they're talking about here this morning. and, And there's something in you that wants to know what it is that they know. While you were still sinners, while you were still far from God, Jesus died for you. And this morning, he's just one prayer away as i pray here in a second you can pray in your own heart you can say god would you be the lord of my life it's as simple as asking him to be the lord of your life and following him so father i pray for everyone that's here this morning lord i especially pray for those who maybe this is new to them Maybe they came because a friend or family member was being baptized and this hasn't been what they expected but something has, has pulled at their hearts, Lord, and they've become aware of something and I believe, God, that you, you love them so much. You're at work in their lives this morning, Lord, and I pray that they wouldn't just get up and leave but they would, there will would be some response this morning. Maybe as they're sitting there right now, Lord, it'll just be talking to you, saying a silent prayer, just asking you, Jesus, to make a difference in their lives. And then, God, if they do that, I pray they would have the courage to, to share that with their friend, with their family member, with the person that they came with, with a leader here at Connect. Maybe they'll check a box on the back of the card where it's um, they can indicate that they've asked Jesus to be the Lord of their lives. But But somehow, just like these 18 amazing people who went public with their faith, they would have the courage this morning to go public with that decision and say, I want you to know that I want to know Jesus the way you know Jesus. I want to experience him the way Heather experienced him. I want to know what it's like to be able to worship God in the good times and the bad times. Lord, don't let it just be a a silent response in the heart. I pray they'd have the courage this morning to respond and share with someone what it is they've done. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.